what's up, Packers fans? You're listening to the G-Spot Packers podcast. This is Paul here, and I got Brian hosting with me. We're here today to discuss the big win against the Dolphins, talk about the long injury report, uh, getting ready for the midweek trip to Seattle. So if you like what you hear, subscribe to us on iTunes or Google Play or CastBox. And so finally, we get that get-right game that we've been hoping for that we were talking about a few weeks ago. Granted, you know, this one was against Brock Osweiler and a completely tattered offensive line, but a win is a win. And we finally blew out an NFL team for the first time since September 28th, 2017. And that was a 35-14 to 14 shellacking in week four against the Bears last year. Hard to believe that that was that long ago that we had a big win like this. Yeah, it's definitely been a while, and it was nice to finally have one. And I totally forgot it's been that long, but I guess it's been uh, pretty much that long since we had Rodgers fully healthy and playing well. So hopefully, you know, Rodgers gets healthier as we go, and it's uh, signs to come here of us putting it together and having a better uh, season as we go forward. But yeah. As we said, there was a long time coming. Felt really good to have a win where we actually dominate the team. Got a little dicey um, when we got that punt blocked. And uh, we had a lot of things where we were making mistakes that good teams just don't normally make. But we were able to overcome them and come away with a W. Yeah, definitely had so, some moments where it didn't look so great. That first drive, Frank Gore just completely shredded us. But we bailed, got bailed out by their center with that horrible snap. You know, at another point in the game, had that fumble pump by Tremont. We had that blocked punt on J.K. Scott. And then finally, the last big moment to me was after the Dolphins converted that fake punt. So Penton and the defense held strong in the near the red zone. So that was good. Held them to only four full field goals. Had two turnovers throughout the game, including the Breland interception and, and Reggie Gilbert hopping on that uh, fumble that we were talking about. Uh, also, they had six sacks. But, hey, you know, it's already you know two and a half minutes into this podcast, and we still haven't mar- mentioned Aaron Jones, so shame on us. Yeah, he definitely had a hell of a game and really a great start. I mean, he almost had 100 yards in the first quarter, looked unstoppable and explosive. And I know we've said it here before, and I think uh, everyone else now sees what the roadmap is for this offense to be successful for the rest of the season. Run the ball, set up play action, and this offense can't really be stopped if we can do that. Yeah, so I saw a stat on Twitter. Apparently, Aaron Jones has the highest yards per attempt uh, on average in modern history with running backs that have over 150 carries. Jones has 6.12 yards per attempt. Bo Jackson is next at 5.4 yards per attempt. Yeah, I mean, that's outerworldly. It's incredibly great uh, to see, and hopefully it's truly greatness. And uh, I guess we're going to find out if it is or if it's inflated from other factors. You know, I don't know um, if other teams are just, as a lot of people have said, daring us to run. Um, if it's just a Rodgers factor and different things, but we'll find out as teams start having to respect our rushing attack. Yeah. And for that stat, you know, Aaron Jones is closer to that 150 yard, uh, 150 carry mark compared to someone like Bo Jackson or the other greats that are on that list, but still it's an awesome stat. And 
he did get some awesome praise from Byron Bell, who's played with some great running backs himself, and he said Aaron Jones is right up there with Zeke in terms of greatness. But the other running back that we got, Jamal Williams, no disrespect to him, but I, we just got to stop giving him a whole series. You know, give him some obvious passing situations because he's really good at pass protection, and he's give him a few rushes because he is a good running back. But you got to give Jones the, the rest of the carries. He's just that good. Yeah, I'd agree. I think we've seen in the last couple games that uh, drives that haven't been very successful have coincidentally been with uh, Jamal Williams in there at running back. I don't think that's totally his fault or anything, but I do agree. We need to have um, we need to make the decision that Aaron Jones is our number one running back, and we need to sprinkle in Jamal Williams when it best suits. Definitely need to spell um, Aaron Jones and keep him fresh to keep that explosiveness going. But I think we definitely got to do, you know, a play or two at a time, not a whole series like you mentioned. Yeah. So also this game we had uh, on offense some great games by Devontae Adams uh, and Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who that guy's really just proven to be a steal of a draft pick. Yeah, starting with their first point, I mean, Adams had a great game, but he really only had four catches, so he made the most of those, and I think teams are starting to really focus on him. Um, for Valis Scantling, it's been a great start and better than expected for a rookie that we picked you know, late in the draft. Um, but I, again, somebody, maybe it's him, but other people as well, we need some people to step up in that receiving core. As I mentioned, people are starting to key on Devontae Adams, and um, the rest of that group's going to have to step up and pick up the slack, especially with uh, Allison being out for the year, possibly coming back. But uh, Randall Cobb also missing time with injuries at the moment. Yeah. So on defense, we got to give a shout-out to Blake Martinez, Kenny Clark. Uh, they both had great games. But the one that was a big surprise that had a really good game was Montrevious Adams. We were bitching about him last week on the pod. He must have heard us. Uh, he out, ends up going out there and getting the second highest uh, pro football focus grade of the game on both sides of the ball at 86.7. But it wasn't just him having it. There was lots of really good games, good grades on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I think maybe we need to start making a list and calling people out every week and we'll get a bunch of stars and just blow out every team. I think the one player you missed for me, though, was uh, Kyler Frackwell uh, did it again and is keeping pace with the number one sack uh, leader in the, on the team with uh, Kenny Clark. The defense is also making less mistakes and definitely playing more consistent as we uh, progress through the season. Um, but what's the deal with the first drive? This defense is, you know, in the, especially the last two games have looked terrible, the first two drives. Yeah, it's been really bothering me. You know, our, our first possessions on defensive was just looked like Swiss cheese. You know, Frank Gore just completely tore us apart, like we said earlier. And you know, obviously they pull it back together, um, but it's we're always starting in a hole. It seems like this week, thankfully we weren't, but that was just because of a horrible snap. You know, I, I can't believe that we escaped that without giving up points. You have any thoughts as to what's causing this? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's based on, you know, we're not scripting correctly or doing a very good job with our initial script and what the teams are going to do or if 
teams are just wisely doing things not their tendency and we just have to uh, adjust. But I mean, the positive we can take away is at least that we're adjusting well. I know that was one of my complaints of Dom Capers is it seemed like he was never very good at adjusting to the flow of the game and what's happening. I think we've seen that uh, Petten is very good at taking what the other team is trying to do and adapting and getting that defense to come out and continue to play and battle and eventually start shutting them down. So maybe this week, to, to help us there, maybe we take the ball first and uh, you know, try and score first instead of the other team scoring first. Yeah, that might be a good uh, approach to that. So the last uh, phase of the ball that we don't really talk about as much because uh, it's the, such an underrated phase of the game, but special teams, it, you know, really, it's been atrocious this year. And, I mean, it's to the point where it's kind of hard to believe that Zook still has a job, and even if he does at the end of the season, I don't think he's going to be our special teams coordinator next year. Yeah, it's uh, pretty shocking. I mean, just this game we had a block punt, gave up an easy fake punt in an obvious situation. We still have Lucas Patrick on kickoff returns we're the only team with uh you know an offensive or defensive lineman on kickoffs and it's not just this game it's been a myriad of things all season with Crosby missing five kicks plenty of fumbles and just poor performances returning the ball the only thing I can think is that there has been a bunch of times where we've covered kicks and punts pretty well but other than that everything else has been pretty bad and the silver lining, though, and I cannot believe I'm saying this. Thank God we're getting Trevor Davis back. Yeah, we definitely need a playmaker back there, and he is one, but he also is prone to making some boneheaded calls, um, you know, catching punts inside the five. So hopefully he's matured a little there. Yeah, we'll have to have a drinking game, drink for every punt he catches within the 10-yard line. So anyways, now we're on to our favorite segment of the week. We know a fraction of what Mike McCarthy knows about football, but we're still going to second-guess him afterwards with the benefit of hindsight. Nailed it again. Oh, yeah. So my big uh, hindsight uh, critique of Mike McCarthy this week is, why the hell are we expecting Jimmy Graham to block? Like, ever. So this game, he had a particularly horrible game. You, You saw that one play where he gave up. Uh, just let the guy waltz right past him. Pro football focus graded him uh, in terms of pass blocking at 12.9. And keep in mind that's out of 100. So imagine taking a test in school and getting a 12.9%. That's what Jimmy Graham did for blocking. Yeah, I think we have to kind of preface that with uh, pass blocking because we are still going to need him to run block. I know that's not his strength at all, but you know it's something we're going to need with a tight end and wide receivers in general with that. But, I mean, just the attention he draws in a pass game, to have him stay in and pass block is, you know, not – I don't think it's the best choice at all. You're not really gaining anything, and he definitely demands at least one and a half people to pay attention when he runs a route. I know on that Devontae touchdown um, late when we were leading um, his second touchdown, Jimmy Graham holds that uh, cornerback back as he's running that corner route and let's Adam catch it underneath my complaint this game was uh in a lot of games on third and short I don't we never really run the ball ever there's not very many plays where we call short routes to the sticks 
And even if there is a short route option, Rodgers usually passes him up. I just really want to see us either run the ball or, you know, run a little swing pass, throw some short passes to the sticks for once on one of these third and shorts. It still was a pretty good game, but we did have some negatives. And those negatives, the biggest negatives, are the injury report coming out of this game. Kentrell Bryce, who looked to have a pretty nasty injury based off his reaction. So far, the reports have seemed that maybe it's not as bad, but he looked like a guy who thought he, he just ended his season uh, based off of his reactions. Lucas Patrick had a concussion. Uh, you know, Maybe that, that uh, puts him in the same brain state as Bronzuk for having him out there anyways. Nick Perry... He gets injured as well. Again, we were talking about it last week. Maybe maybe this is actually a good thing because maybe it's a different injury that he's been fighting with and he can get healthy. I don't know. Nick Perry hasn't been Nick Perry, so it really isn't that big of a loss. And then finally, Brashad Breland, he has a, a groin at the end of the, end of the game, uh, but it doesn't sound like it's that serious. Yeah, especially on a short week, it's tough to deal with injuries. And then uh, even more when you're the away team traveling. Home team so far on Thursday nights are 6-2, and two, so that doesn't bode well. But, you know, with these injuries, I don't think any one of those players is uh, one of those players you can't replace. Um, obviously, you don't want injuries, but none of those players um, haven't been replaced before and been able to be okay. I think the tough, more tough thing is um, recently heard Cobb and Kevin King will not be making the trip. So I think those two are a little bit more of a hit than the previously mentioned players. But I still think we've we've dealt with these injuries before and it's going to be tough, but I think we can kind of handle it. So uh, I don't know, give me your thoughts on these guys who have just recently been added to this injury report. Yeah, well, and, and Perry and Bryce also aren't going to be traveling. So... That does leave us pretty thin in, in a couple of positions, but hopefully hopefully they can uh, get some other guys healthy, especially Brashad Breland. That's the one I'm looking at. Uh, if if we can't have King go, hopefully Brashad at least can go. Um, but, yeah, it, you know, it's just one of those things that's just really tough on the short week. So we're heading into the Packers' house of horrors of the past few years, and this is just a couple weeks late for Halloween. We're 0-3 at Century League Length Field since 2012, uh, including two of the biggest heartbreakers that we've had, including the Fail Mary game, everyone remembers that, and the collapse of ages in the 2014 NFC Championship game. That one stung even more than Fail Mary. I almost didn't go to the work after that one until I realized I'm going to have to face the music someday. And if I skip work, it's probably going to be worse. So anyways, what do you think about that? Oh, that was one of the rougher days in my uh, life uh, sports wise, but we're over that now. And uh, since going 0-3 in the clink, the Packers have won three in a row. Uh, They were all at Lambeau Field. And unfortunately, this game will not be at Lambeau Field. Hopefully we can break the streak and get over our hard times at the clink and get a win this week. Yeah, and they're really different teams since then. I know Rodgers was talking about it this week where 
he he was talking about how he's never going to get over that game. But apparently they had a people raise their hands in the locker room and there's of who was actually there for that game. And there really wasn't that many. Uh, but they do still have Russell Wilson. What do we expect from them on their offense? Well, besides Russell Wilson at quarterback, they also have Brett Hundley for uh, those Packer fans out there. Still a big fan of his. Um, for their offense, besides him, though, they still they have the number one rushing offense in the league, and they're led by three running backs. That includes uh, Chris Carson, Mike Davis, and rookie Rashad Penny. Yeah, that Rashad Penny pick, that was a head-scratcher at the draft to take him in the first round. And it really hasn't seemed to pan out quite yet. I I just, maybe this is a personal opinion, but I just, I don't get why teams pick running backs in the first round. It, it just seems like there's so much value for running backs later in the draft and not very much value for other positions later in the draft. So I, it, to me, it's just a head scratcher anytime a team picks a running back in the first round. Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to agree. And if you do, it better be a generational talent that uh, can't miss. I mean, Rashad Penny hasn't been bad, but he's definitely not. You're not looking like a, a Zeke Elliott or anything. Yeah, that generational talent in Saquon Barkley is really working out for the Giants this year. Yeah, well, I still got Eli, so it's fine. All right, well, that wide receiver, they've got Doug Baldwin and Tyler Lockett. That's pretty much their main weapons there. Um, not too much of a wide receiving core with the besides those two. And then at tight end, their replacement from Jimmy Graham last year is now falls on Nick Vanette's shoulders. And he's been pretty good this year, but he hasn't been Jimmy Graham. So, and that's their offense. Yeah, they, they cut Brandon Marshall, uh, I don't know, was it a few weeks ago? And now he's now he's uh, Des Bryant's replacement after he took a couple snaps in Saints practice. Uh, but, you know, it's an offense that seems to be kind of bringing it together. So, you know, optimistically, you know, we're looking like our defense can start strong and finish strong against this offense. So with that said, speaking about our offense now, what does Aaron and Aaron face this week? There's no more Legion of Boom, thank God. Yeah, uh, this defense looks quite a bit different. There's still some familiar faces, but a lot of new ones. On the defensive line, your defensive ends are Quentin Jefferson and Frank Clark. Um, they're man in the middle by uh, Jaron Reed from Alabama at defensive tackle. He has five sacks this season and has a has been having a really good season. For linebackers, they include a former first-round pick of the Browns, Barkevius Mingo, and their two mainstays of that linebacking core, Bobby Wagner and uh, K.J. Wright. Yeah, so not quite uh, the, the front that we're, we're used to, but still now this is probably the, their strength compared to years past. Absolutely. Bobby Wagner is definitely their leader on this defense, so we'll have to neutralize him, but definitely his surrounding cast is not as strong as before. And then uh, moving to the secondary from going from that legion of boom, there's nothing left with the injury to Earl Thomas. Um, we have Shaquille Griffin and Trey Flowers at corners. And then at safety, I mean, um, they have Bradley McGlad and Tedrick Thompson. And I honestly have never even heard of them yet this year. So 
nowhere near the Earl Thomas and uh, um, Cam Chancellor days. Yep. More like Legion of Poof. That's my, uh, that was, that was terrible. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, audience. Anyways, the Seahawks, you know, they're a team that in a lot of ways are kind of like the Packers this year. They're flawed and they've had their missteps, but they still have the talent to pull it together and the ability to play a great game. They played a pretty good game last week against the Rams, but they did have that last second defeat to them. Do you think on a short week that hurts them even more? Yes, I definitely think it does. I mean, that was a really tough game. There was a lot of scuffles, a lot of getting into it, with, um, especially with Aaron Donald and everything going on. And then it was a disappointing kind of an emotional roller coaster at the end. And I just think that's hard to bounce back from, you know, a tough divisional game like that and then come back on a quick turnaround for a Thursday night game for another opponent that we have history with. And, you know, there's been tough battles between our two franchises since 2012. So I definitely think it's going to be a factor for the Seahawks. Lucky for them, they're at home. But I think that does give us um, a little bit of an advantage going into Seattle. Yeah, I, I hope so as well. I I know you said that they're the home team is six and two this this year at, uh, on Thursday nights, but that really was a pretty tough loss to them, and really a game that I mean it wasn't quite a must win game for them, but it was kind of close to a must win game. They're now uh, not sitting in a great position in terms of playoff wise, so. Hopefully that gets us to a position where we're in favor. But anyways, for the fourth time this season, fourth time, I can't believe that I'm saying this. We're 500 after an odd number of weeks. I asked last week, last two weeks ago or whatever the hell it was, was this a record for the uh, most times that this has happened in an odd week? I don't know. But we're at nine games now with only four victories. So because of that, you know, we're taking a look at the playoff picture. It might be a little early to do that, but these early missteps that we've had have made this margin of error a lot smaller than we'd like at this point of the year. Yeah, and, uh, you know, there's like you're talking about Seattle. They kind of had a must win. They were in a similar place to the Packers, and now a bunch of those teams – that were slightly ahead of us have now fallen to four and five and they're in a uh, must win in my opinion now where we're not at the run the table point this year but you know we're only a half game up on that so we don't really have a lot of room for error at this point and uh, winning last week was a good start and uh, winning this week will take another step forward to that yeah uh, you know really in terms of all the other teams in the playoff picture this this past week was a pretty damn good week. We jumped from 10th place to 7th place in the conference. Uh, so one game, uh, one or one uh, position out of uh, a playoff pic- uh, picture. So the Cowboys beat the Eagles. That was something we were rooting for. The Rams beat the Seahawks and the Browns beat the Falcons. All three of those games we were rooting for and they happened. Uh, again, as we said last week, we're not going to catch the Rams or the Saints. We don't have those delusions. So we right now get four teams ahead of us that we can catch. Who do we need to lose this week? Well, this week uh, it starts out with uh, 
the team that lost last week on Thursday, and they're playing the Lions, so it'll be the Lions and Panthers. We're going to be cheering for the Lions this week and probably for the rest of the season. Yeah, it's it's that time of the year that we got to start rooting for Detroit to have a shittier draft pick. Absolutely. We do not need them getting, you know, a stud defensive lineman or something to put that team together. It's a wonderful time of the year. Oh, absolutely. And the other teams this week, we need the Texans to beat the Redskins. And then we have the tough game with the Bears and the Vikings playing. Good news. One of those teams has to lose. Yeah, maybe, though, we could get another tie. I don't know. But I think... I am hoping for the Vikings to win because if that happens, if the Vikings beat the bears, then we control our own destiny. If we win out and win the games that we're supposed to win, we'll win the division. Yeah. If we're aiming for winning the division, we definitely need the Vikings to win. If we're just trying to make the playoffs, uh, if the bears beat the Vikings, it gives us a pretty good shot at getting into the wild card. That is true. Let's go for the division. Oh, absolutely. All or nothing. Let's do it. So that brings us to our other favorite segment of the week. Ah, Let's be honest. This is our favorite segment of the week. Hot cheddar. Hot takes of the week. So I got my mild cheddar. Hot take of the week. I say that the Packers get Jimmy Graham finally clicking in the offense, and he gets 75 yards with a touchdown. And no significant blocking responsibilities that he muffs. Well, that'd be pretty nice. I've been waiting to see a Jimmy Graham day. We've only seen glimpses. For me, it's going to be uh, uh, Valis Scantling. He's going to lead the team in receptions. Team's really focusing on Adams, and he steps up, has a big game. It's a nice mild cheddar uh, hot take. Anyways, the second level of hot takes, we got uh, warm squeaky cheese curds. I'm going to say that these long-awaited turnovers that happened last week are contagious, and they continue and have two interceptions and a fumble recovery. Yeah, I mean, we had some pretty uh, gimmies last week, but, you know, that's all it takes to get you started, so I could see it definitely happening that way. I think one of those turnovers with Bryce injured, Raven Raven Green's going to get some more snaps, and he's going to get his first pick this season and not drop it like he did this week. Yeah, he was really close last last week. I think if you really look at it, he was kind of blinded there. So I didn't I didn't give him too much crap for that. But that would be great to see him get the one this week. So finally we move on to our habanero queso hot takes of the week. I say that the Packers exercise the demons of Century Link Field and they have the second blowout in a row. Offense combined for 500 yards, and the Pack beat Seattle by 25. Wow, that would be a good night. I don't know if I'd be going into a work Friday. I'd be celebrating if that happened. Uh, with that, uh, when we usually play uh, Russell Wilson lately, he's been giving us the ball a lot, so I think this defense forces three turnovers. And for good measure, this time they're going to put one in the end zone. And that's how this defense is going to help propel this team to win. You got to kidding, got to be kidding me, man! Like my warm squeaky cheese curds is that we get three turnovers, and yours is your habanero queso is three turnovers and a t- touchdown. Give me at least you got to give me at least two touchdowns for your habanero queso. 
All right, Trevor three Davis. Turnover, Trevor three Davis turnovers. takes them back. And a special team touchdown. I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that. Okay, so we got our predictions. We obviously are predicting the Packers to win. We haven't picked them to lose yet. For us here, it's a game seven. It's tied three to three. We're going to find out who on the Packers steps up and becomes a hero. But they do come through. They get sweet revenge for the fail Mary at the clink. They win by two scores, not allowing a chance for any last-second bullshit this time. <laughs> Sounds like a plan, faxing into McCarthy. So, hey, that's it for this week. Thanks for listening to the G-Spot Packers podcast. Please subscribe if you liked it. If you really liked it, share this with your friends and colleagues. And as always, Go, go Pack Go! go.